He's blank on Branham. Uh, Texans, Panthers play Sunday. Number one pick, number two pick, number three pick. Uh, so he spent a lot of times comparing Texans, Panthers, especially in the offseason after the draft, whose future's better, which quarterback's going to be better through seven weeks of the NFL season. I think Stroud has a huge leg up. It's always been a little bit of a leg up. Except for the draft. Anyways, big picture. The future of the Texans is how much better off than the future of the Panthers. Should you believe that at all? Um, no. I, I think that the Texans' future is a lot better. Uh, I don't love the coaching staff in Carolina either. Uh, I've never really been a Frank Not a Reich fan of Frank guy. Reich? No, no. I, I think that the successes that they've had in uh, Indy when Frank Reich was there was on the... Uh, it was basically because of the assistance. Quarterback development. Sirianni was there. I mean, who has he developed? Well, I mean, in Philly. Yeah. Right? I mean, Carson Wentz. Well, but Wentz, look, we, we forget th- until he blew he blew up his knee that he was going to be the MVP. Yeah. Um, I, I put that more on Peterson than Frank Coached Reich. Coached up Nick Foles so that when Wentz yeah, went I put down. That, but if, if you had to decide, like, who's the quarterback whisperer in Philly between Doug Peterson and Frank Reich, 90% of that for me yeah, is on well, Doug Peterson. And it's obviously what Peterson's doing right now, too, that, that kind of helps that as well. But Peterson's always been known as somewhat of a quarterback guru, so I get that. Yeah, I, I think that the success of the quarterbacks when Reich and Peterson have been together is all on Doug Peterson. I think the biggest thing that you look at with the two franchises, as much as you know, we know what happened with the trade here, but you got the number 2 and 3 pick in the draft. When you look at what Carolina did to get to Bryce Young, you know they gave up their best receiver. They gave up multiple picks. So they're not exactly sitting there from a position like the Texans of still having all these this draft capital that can help you get better quicker and sustain being good longer. Yeah, I mean, the Texans don't have their first, but they have a first right. because of previous stuff, whereas right. Carolina kind of sold you know, sold out for Bryce, mm-hmm. and they don't have a first this coming year. But after that, they'll be they'll be they'll be good. Uh, but I also like the core a little bit more for the Texans. Like this defensive core for Carolina doesn't look as good this year as it did last year. There are serious thoughts that Brian Burns is going to be traded before the deadline, and if it's not by the deadline, is he part of their long term plans? Uh, the wide receiver room was something that we compared Carolina and Houston with, and you know, start of the year, I would have Carolina ahead of Houston. Right now. I mean, Thielen's still having a pretty good year. It's Thielen and a bunch of guys. Yeah, I, I like Mingo. I think that he has promise, but he hasn't like come close to hitting his promise. Like Tank Dell's a rookie; he's been better than Jonathan Mingo is a rookie. Uh, whereas Thielen, you could argue Thielen's been a little bit better than Nico, or at least they've been on par. But Nico's younger and has a more promising future. Where Thielen's still like trying to hang on to like Thielen's his heyday. On, he's on the back nine and he's playing up the par three sixteenth. He yeah. ain't going to be around much longer. I, I like. I mean, Thielen's having a good year, <clears throat> and I like Thielen. But yes, he, he's not one that's going. Going to be a really good receiver in two years, right. where Nico Collins might be hitting his stride and his peak in a couple of years. And if you say Jonathan Mingo and Tank Dell are washes, okay, well then the Texans have the like the the long the big picture view. They have the advantage there. A running back like Carolina spent some money on Miles Sanders, and Miles Sanders is better right now than what the Texans are getting. So you have to give him the edge there. I'll take Texans offensive line. Yep, um, tight end Schultz is probably better than anything that Carolina has, but Schultz is only on a one year deal, so that's kind of a wash. And then defensively. Like you got Will Anderson, who you're counting on for the next few years, foreseeable future. Is Burns going to be there long? I don't know. Doesn't I don't. Like it. it doesn't sound like it. Petrie, I like. There's some pieces on Carolina I like. You don't I'm know what you the have in Stingley, the but there's still a chance that yeah. that pick that high turns into what you drafted him to be, or at least close to it. 
I think the Texans are in a much better spot than Carolina. If, if we're looking at a five-year window, give me the Houston Texans five-year window over what the Plus uh, your the quarterback's have. making guys look better, like Robert Woods, like Nico Collins having a breakout year, like some of the guys that you know he's throwing to and some of the things he's able to do. And yeah, he, you know, Young's been dinged up a little bit, but of the two, I think there's a massive, you know, a cavernous gap between the two of them right now because of the play of C.J. Stroud. And also the core that, like, I talked about yesterday for me. Like, I want a really strong head coach, really strong quarterback, and then kind of figure out the rest later. I believe that if you have a really good head coach, a really good quarterback, that you're always a playoff contender. If I'm looking at those two spots, D'Amico Ryans, C.J. Stroud, I'm taking that way before I'm taking Frank Reich and Bryce Young no at this doubt. point. So what like, you know now? That yeah. gives me a huge leg up on the Texans before we look at anything else. D'Amico, greater than Frank, in my opinion, and then C.J. Stroud, greater than Bryce Young's in almost everybody's opinion. That would have been an interesting conversation before the year started. Yeah, because, because you didn't know D'Amico. Right, you didn't know D'Amico. You knew that Frank Reich maybe got a little bit of a raw deal being force-fed the veterans. but the, 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 I was the, anti. Now, now, generally speaking, yeah. you're 100% right. Because uh, it would be a fair conversation. I've always been anti Reich. Like I, and that's fair. I'm just saying, overall, looking at the situation, you take a first year head coach that's never even coached before and taking a guy that's had experience, had success to some degree, and has been a longtime coach in the league, that you could, you could see where people would side with the veteran coach. And while the two quarterbacks, I think most people were on board saying that Bryce Young was the slam dunk of the two or was higher ranked and rated. And that's why they traded up to get to one to get him. Yep as opposed to waiting and seeing who fell into their lap. Do you think that uh, there's a shot at all that Bryce Young eventually surpasses C.J. Stroud as a better quarterback in the NFL? Right now, my answer is no. I mean, I, if I if you ask me that question at the start of the season, sure, absolutely. And, and I think that there might he might have been a favorite to have a better career than C.J. Stroud. Knowing what we know now and looking at it and then seeing how much we've scrutinized over and over size – but he looks so small on the football field when you see him in pads and against everybody else on the field that I think in that case size really does matter because he's really really small, and I and I just I can't see that happening right now with how good Stroud's played. Uh, of what I've seen, uh, it's going to be hard for me to envision Young passing Stroud. Like I've, I've really like what I've seen from Stroud in a ton of different aspects. I think his pocket presence is great. We talk about his touch, his ball placement. I think his accuracy can be better. I think it will be better. Like he's under sixty percent right now, which is surprising because it looks better than that. Uh, his ability to read defenses pre-snap, post-snap. Uh, I. I've been blown away with C.J. Stroud. I didn't think we'd be talking about C.J. Stroud like this, and I haven't watched Bryce Young as closely as I've, I've watched C.J. Stroud. I've seen every single snap that C.J. Stroud has made. I've watched C.J. Stroud all 22s. I haven't done that with Bryce Young. But the little bit I've seen of Bryce Young isn't close to the a lot of bit I've seen of C.J. Stroud. I think it's definitely the, the Texans' future is brighter. Some of that's the coaching, but we had that weird press conference from a couple weeks ago with Frank Reich where he kind of like alludes to the fact that it seems like the owner made them choose Bryce Young. Think back to the Josh McCown clip from uh, from C.J. Stroud's pro day when he talks about him buying a basketball hoop and that they're going to hoop in Charlotte and, yeah. and, and Carolina in the offseason. Like, it seemed like Josh McCown, their quarterback coach, wanted them to take C.J. Stroud. And then it, let's say both these teams had their first overall had the first overall pick. Which one of them is bailing for Caleb Williams? Not the Texans. Mm. It's the Panthers. 
Like the way the way they're playing right now, if CJ Stroud was playing the way he did, and the Texans had the first overall pick, they would stick with CJ, right? Yeah, no they questions would, they would asked. Probably, I mean, they either trade down or just like Marvin Harrison. Yeah, and then like the Panthers, they don't. They would have the first overall pick right now if they had their own capital. They would give up on Bryce Young after a year. I have no doubt about that. I I I I have doubt about that. You think you think that if they had the number one pick, actually. Instead of it being right, like if, if they had the number one, like the whole Josh Rosen, Kyler Murray scenario, like I understand what you're saying. They they, they still have their first. Uh, they they land the number one pick. They have a decision to make: Caleb Williams or Bryce Young. If they go Caleb Williams, they trade Bryce Young. Vice like don't we? Yes, I I don't think that Bryce Young is in Josh Rosen territory. I don't, and I don't think that no. Caleb Williams is. I mean. Is Caleb Williams in Kyler Murray territory? Yeah, he probably is. Yeah, but I don't think that I don't think that uh, well, Bryce Young is anywhere near Josh Rosen territory. I don't think so either. It's, just the, it's like the way CJ is playing versus the prospect that Caleb Williams is. You wouldn't bail on CJ Stroud for Caleb Williams. I think you bail on Bryce Young for Caleb Williams without a doubt. Especially with the, the way Caleb Williams lot has looked the last couple of weeks. I exactly. mean, there's reason for a lot of concern See, there. If we're t- if we're just taking like the most recent samples samples that we've gotten, then that's legit. I think that they still like. I mean, they still like Bryce. They're not quitting on Bryce. I don't think that they would quit on Bryce for for uh, See, Joe, Caleb Williams. The thing that I was going to ask you too, as a Bears fan, or at least before you get forced, um, the, the the question is, you know, how every every Texans fan, or there's conversation among Texans fans. You dodged a bullet. You you thought you were you were really bad because it was really awful because you lost that last game of the regular season and you lost that chance on Bryce Young. And in retrospect, it was the best thing that ever happened to you. And, and C.J. Stroud fell into your lap. The Bears could almost say the same thing because the Bears were considering trading out on Justin Fields to get Bryce Young, and now you don't know how good that looks. But because you didn't do that and did what you did, yeah, right now you, have the number you one might have pick. dodged a bullet because you're going to have the number one overall pick, and you might get Caleb Williams and or your best choice of the best quarterback there. So my problem with it is the way the, the season's played out because maybe we just were all wrong, and like it's the same thing with the Texans. If the Texans had the number one pick, the way CJ's played, I would like to believe that Nick Casario would have taken CJ Stroud. Mm-hmm. As a Bears fan, and I'm watching CJ Stroud play, I'm pissed that they traded the number one pick and that CJ Stroud is not a Chicago Bear. You would, you would, you wish they would have kept one and drafted Keep one, Stroud one. Take Stroud, trade Fields. Right now, looks like the for sure move they should have. Yes, they might get Caleb Williams, mm-hmm. but like it's not even in their power to make that happen. Like CJ Stroud. We, I think we know the answer, but what he is for a franchise, and two teams passed on him. Do you? Um, so you're higher on Stroud than Caleb Williams too. At this, it's not that. It's just like you could have already had your quarterback. Gotcha. Like you know, like I think we, I think we know the answer on Stroud. You don't know the answer on Caleb. There's some uncertainty there. Also, you've lost value in Fields, right? I mean, the Fields values oh, had to God, have gone yeah. way, down. way down. Yeah, he's probably he's, worth like a third right now. Third, right? Yeah, because you could have gotten a first for Fields last year. I think. I think so. I think you could have gotten a first for Fields. I, I agree with that. But Maybe a second? Well, especially when he finished the year, too. got a first. He finished yeah. the year enough that people said there's more than just a running quarterback there, but what he does running is so dynamic. It fits today's NFL to where teams would have given you a first. I, mean, I think if, it would have been if, a late first. Se- second Lance, half yes, of the yes, first round. I don't yes. think it would have been a top 10 pick, but second half of the first round, I believe. Trey Lance gets you a fourth. Justin Fields still today gets you a second. There's no doubt you get a second. Yeah, oh, today? Yeah. Fields is better than Trey Lance. I mean, Trey Lance got a fourth this offseason. Yeah, but a fourth isn't great. I no, mean, I know, but like, like Justin's at least been on the football field. I'd be curious. I mean, and I'm shows that he curious. can run a huddle and he can understand defenses and I mean, he can like, do some things. Look, if I was Atlanta, I'd be calling right now. I don't know if he's worth a second. You, you don't think so? This is this is his third year. If you're Atlanta, you're calling for Fields. 
Yes. I mean, depending on how cheap you can get them, why not? You can get them for a 50. If you can get them for cheap, yeah, but I don't think you're going to give them a whole lot because Ritter hasn't looked... Ritter looked like he's a better uh, thrower of the football than Fields. Yeah, Ritter has looked better the last couple weeks. Maybe a third's like at, at this point so. with the way the season has gone. Maybe that's more of a slap at Fields. It's, just, it's definitely a slap who, at Fields. Yeah. Who are you talking so like, about? Is this, is this his third year? Fields' yeah. third year? So Fields has, this is his third year. So you're looking at, you have to, and because of the way the NFL is set up, you have to make the decision on a fifth-year option before the fourth year. That's the problem. So whoever has Fields this offseason is going to have to accept the option or decline the option on his fifth year before the season starts. So if you're trading for that, you ha- if you're trading for Fields, you're accepting the fifth-year option. Definitely. So now you're looking at a minimum of two years for Fields, maybe a second, maybe a second. It's, just, it's so hard to figure out, like, Third seems I'm, to be I'm, fair market. Right I'm now. curious what like the rest of the NFL views him as. Six seven six one doesn't view him very good. How, how have you seen Fields and think he's an NFL quarterback? Because oh, he's an NFL quarterback. Because for two because two weeks in a row he threw for 650 yards and eight touchdowns. Like I just I don't understand how a quarterback can do that and then be the other guy most of the time. Besides saying that Chicago's the problem. Like I just eh, I don't think that's a, look. Look, I think there's shortcomings to his game. How obviously, many quarterbacks in the, eight as it relates to passing weeks? and decision making. I mean, Deshaun Watson went on a tear whenever he was a Texan. I he mean, got a fully guaranteed contract. I mean, quarterback. If you're a top thirty-five quarterback in the world, you're capable of doing that. What yeah. what, what you struggle with is doing that consistently, and doing that do. all the time. So it doesn't surprise me that Fields, because he's super talented, has had you know a back to back stretch where he was insane and really really good. Like Blake Bortles probably had a stretch like that. Mm-hmm. Mitch Trubisky's first two years. I mean, you saw that. Mitch yeah, Trubisky was a Pro mm-hmm. Bowler in his second year. So the he is he better than Baker right like now? That. No, Fields? no. Fields. no. I, it depends on your offense. Is he better than Carr? Uh, it depends on your offense. Like, cause Carr, Carr and uh, Baker are much better throwers of the ball, whereas Fields is a much better runner. Like, right. like in Atlanta scheme, Fields is a way better option than those three. I think in a Philadelphia scheme, Fields is a better option than those three. Is he better? In, would he be better in Tennessee? Uh, no, he'd be awful. I don't awful know what their offense is. Tennessee's pro style, old school, like twelve I mean, personnel. Like, no, he'd be awful. In but Tennessee. would he be the best quarterback in the room? Most talented, yeah. yeah. He'd be most talented. You'd have to but, obviously change your system, but, but I'm just I, looking at teams at the bottom. I just, I don't, like, I don't know. I don't think we know who he is, like, I, because like he still shows flashes, and it's like yeah. it's but, like, an organization that is just the it's the worst organization yeah. in the NFL. But look at like a Ram scheme, like a McVay. McVay would take Carr. McVay would take Baker. Sure would. Baker was there last year. Yeah, and, uh, and first he, game without having to do anything, they yeah. ran an offense that he was capable of winning a game. So it depends on what your it depends what your offense is because Fields is better in some options and or some offenses, and then Carr and Baker are better than o- some other offenses. But if that's your if that's your peers, if that's the company you're keeping, that that, sh- that shows who you are. Not very good. Uh, third rounder maybe for Fields. I yeah. think it's the third because. As much as they still know what he can do, what he put on tape this year was so inconsistent, no one's going to be willing to overcommit a second-round pick. Um, OG on the Twitch. He's saying that we owe an apology to Nick Casario because of uh, the way that we critiqued his past draft. We had a text the other day, too, uh, hearing uh, when we were talking about Stroud as Rookie of the Year, D'Amico Coach of the Year, uh, Texans possibly winning the division. How how do we feel about giving up that first-round draft pick now? Uh, I know that uh, we hated it whenever it happened. Now that we've played six games in Houston, now that we're through seven weeks of the NFL season going into Week 8, now that we feel differently about the Houston Texans, is, is OG right? Do we owe First Nick of all, you Casario bite your tongue right now. an apology? I won't even entertain that. Seven one three. Entertain what? That that OG that OG guy is right. Okay. Anything. Well, if he told That's you just because of who he is, if he told you the sun's going to rise tomorrow, would you tell him he's not right? 
Yeah, probably. 713-780-3776. If you're anti-trade on draft day, do you feel differently now after six games and seven weeks of the NFL season? 713-780-3776. Killer Bees, ESPN 97.5, ESPN 92.5. Hey, before we go to the break, tell you about the good people at MyBookie again because MyBookie's taking care of you. And we know that when the weekend is upon us, that means so is a ton of sports. And right now you've got a ton of sports. You have hockey going on, NBA basketball going on, World Series baseball going on. College and pro football going on. You want a place where you can bet on all of them, a few of them, or just one of them? MyBookie.ag. They got all the sports. They got all the bets, and they're the perfect place for you. Been in business for over a decade. They're not going anywhere, so neither is your money. You can put your money in your account. It's going to be safe. When you want to take it out, it's going to be there. And they've got promotions galore that are always taking care of you, the customer. They're doing the same thing right now with a match bonus. Put in money in your account. Sign up at mybookie.ag. Use the promo code BET975. Whatever you put in up to $1,000, they're going to match it and put the same amount into your account as well. So if you put 100 bucks in, you're going to have 200 in your account. More money in your account, more games you can bet on, more chances to win at the one place I tell you to go. It's mybookie.ag. And when there aren't any games going on, but you want to do some gambling, they can do that too because dealers are standing by. And that means that you can have live casino games with a live dealer right there at mybookie.ag. The one thing you have to do, remember that promo code, bet975, because when you use it, you can cash in, you can get extra money, and you can have better fun because you have more chances to win with more money in your account. Check them out today. Go to mybookie.ag. Put in that promo code BET975 and do what I always tell you to do. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere. With the only place I tell you to do it, it's mybookie.ag, promo code BET975. 3%. Uh, he's blank. I'm Branham. Three of the bees. ESPN 97.5, ESPN 92.5. Uh, OG, you guys should apologize to Casario. Didn't like what he did on draft. We didn't like what he did on draft day. I didn't. I was very harsh of what he did on draft day. We had a text the other day, same thing. How do you feel about the trade now versus where where you felt before the season? Uh, How do you feel about it, Blankers, now that the Texans have played six games, now that we've played seven weeks of the NFL season? I still have concerns about it. I still need to see it. You know, the full body, of, even after a season. And we said we didn't know when you could actually fully pass judgment. But at the end of the season was we're gonna be where you're going to get your first indication of being able to kind of pass judgment on it and say, was it good? Was it bad? I felt bad at the time. I still don't feel great about it right now. And I think a lot of it has to do with depending on who you took and who you didn't take if you didn't make the trade. But if you took Stroud and you got it right, and, I, and I'm not going to say that, you know, because of the way the draft order went, they did what they did, so they were trying to save some value because if they were making a trade for a quarterback, they probably would have had to give up more, in my opinion. But regardless, if you have Stroud and you could have added a, a, a top-wide receiver like a Marvin Harrison Jr. a year from now, and, and regardless of what you wanted to do, or you could have done what the Bears did and you had the number one overall picker, you had a high pick that, to, to play with that you could do something with. But because of the team's playing better, too, that I understand it, and that changes a lot of things. But I, no one could have predicted that. And I don't think Nick was thinking that this team was going to be playoff-worthy when, when the trade was made. I still have concerns because I need to see more out of Will Anderson. I know and I hear from everybody how how hyper-talented and special this kid is. And I know that they're spending a lot of extra attention you know, trying to block him and do things to stop him. But I need, I needed to, I need to see more to convince me that you're getting a, a massively dominant defensive player like some of the guys he's been compared to. So I still have concerns about the trade. Yeah, I think that, I mean, I feel way better about it today than than I did the day after the trade. 
and I think it's very easy to see why. The, the, the day after the trade, you're still thinking the Texans are going to have a top three, top five right, pick, right. which I think it's fair to think that. Uh, Vegas would have the, the same exact thing. Now the Texans are picking in the teens. Now mm-hmm. they're not missing out on the chance of being in Caleb Williams' territory and trading that pick for a King's ransom. Uh, they're not in the territory of Marvin Harrison Jr. They're not in the territory of some of these top you know tackles in football or the verse Jared Verse for Florida State. Like now you're talking about second fringe players. Like the name that I saw mentioned the other day was a cornerback that I'd never heard of. I saw another mock draft from CBS that was a defensive tackle I've never heard of. But you also could have paired up your two first round picks if you did want to get up there. I mean, now you're getting a little reachy though. Like now it's well, you could pair this, you could have, would have, should have, well, could have done no, this, but ifs and saying, buts, candies, nuts. You would have had all your picks from last year and the ones you gave up that could have been players that could have actually done more benefit to you this year. And then you would have had the potential of taking two first round picks and moving up if you wanted to. Yeah, but that's that's I mean, now you're like combining these things. Like you have the ability this year to combine Cleveland's pick and your first round pick next year to trade up for Marvin Harrison Jr. Like you still have the ability to do that. You just don't have the full arsenal of draft picks to do that. So it's difficult to have those conversations because now you're kind of it's it's kind of maddeny. Like you're kind of creating these scenarios. Like the way that I look at it is the cost to move up for Will Anderson was what? You traded the twelfth pick? You traded the 33rd pick, and you traded next year's first rounder. Next year's first rounder, whenever the Texans made the trade, was Caleb Williams trading for King's Ransom. It was Marvin Harrison Jr. Now it's guys that we really don't know about because you're picking in the team. So, yeah, you have to look at it differently today than you did whenever you made the trade day of and the following days after that. The fact that the Texans are playing good football, uh, three and three, the fact that I expect them to be in the playoff hunt, and I kind of expect them to get into the postseason. Now you're talking about a team that's picking in the 20s. So instead of giving up pick 12, 33, and two, you're giving up pick 12, 33, and 20. So yeah, it's much easier to swallow pause uh, whenever you're making that trade as opposed to what we thought it was before the season ever took place. No, you're right. And that is the biggest factor. That The fact that I fully anticipated that they were going to be a top five pick. And, and I think we, we both were on the page of no matter what happens, the Browns are probably going to have a better record than the Texans. And now you don't, you don't know. But it, the fact that we're even having that conversation and, the, and we're talking, having a conversation about the Texans making the playoffs and we're talking about how good that they're playing, it does change everything. You're right. I still have my apprehension overall, but it is a lot easier to swallow and say, hey, look, this was a, this was a good move for the franchise because of the fact that the team has played so well. Yeah, I mean, I was I was the more, the really the only positive one about the trade the day after it happened, but like it wasn't because of what they've done. Like I just I thought it was worth the risk at the time. Like you were gonna get a player in Will Anderson who was a better prospect than Walker the year before, who went ahead of Aiden Hutchinson. He's I think a better prospect so far than the guys in this year's draft as pass rushers still. So like I think you got what you needed to. You got your franchise quarterback and a franchise defensive player. Yeah. So the fact that now like they're pushing that draft book back towards outside the top ten, like it just gets I think it's just getting better. Yeah, it is getting better. It's still risky. The uh, Right now, Jerzon Newton is projected ESPN mock draft to be the pick that Arizona uses to draft. That was Houston's pick at 16. Who? Now, that's, that's my point. Like, it's much different when you're talking about Kalen King, Jerzon Newton, uh, Braylon Trice, as opposed to the pick that could be Caleb Williams, the pick that could be Marvin Harrison Jr., et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Now, to, to Blanker's point, the, the, it doesn't the, – the, the discussion of this trade is not over. 
Right. And it's not going to be over for five seasons. Like, you have to look at the five seasons because that's how long a rookie contract is for a first-rounder if you pick up the fifth-year option. This is still something that you look at five years down the road to see who won the trade. Because you still traded pick number 12 that was used on Jamar Gibbs. You traded pick number 33, which is Will Levis. You were never going to take a quarterback after you took C.J. Stroud. Maybe you take Sam Laporta there. Who knows? And then you still have to wait and see where your pick lands up and then who that pick turns out to be. So even if it lands in the teens, yes, it makes it a lot easier to breathe today than prior to the season when they could have been picking top three and we thought they were going to pick top three, but the jury's still out. The The answer is still out there. We won't know until both of the, you know, all of the players are done right. with their rookie contracts. Yeah, no, that, that that's kind of the, where I was too. And, and, you know, I was the one that had thought the the least of what this season was going to be for the Texans. I was the one that really was convinced that they were going to have a top five pick. And because that they haven't, and they played so well, and I'm happy that they have, it does. that's the biggest factor that changes things. Because other than that, we got to see what these guys all develop into. Stroud's the easiest one to say right now that he is legit, and he is going to continue to get better, and he's the real deal. You know, you believe that Anderson is too, but you also think it, it's how you weigh everything else. You need to see more from Anderson. You know that the picks you gave up turned out to be pretty good football players. So there's a there's a ton of different factors that go into you know who won the trade. And I think it still has to play out. It's right now. Does it look better than it did preseason? Sure. Yes. Uh, where are we at in three and a half years? Like that's when you know if you really won the trade. Seven one three seven eight zero ESPN HRP listener line seven one three seven eight zero three seven seven six. How do you feel about it? If you're an anti-draft day trade, you feel better about it now, right? Uh, we talk a lot about C.J. Stroud against these other rookie quarterbacks. Uh, where does Tank Dell stack up with other rookie receivers in the NFL? It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. Text coming up in 15 minutes, so make sure you get all your mean things in. Uh, King of Twitch has taken OG to task a little bit in the uh, the Twitch, which uh, TV slash ESPN 97.5. He said, let's talk Stingley in that... Uh, Aggie O-line bust. That's mean there, King of Twitch. Uh, talking about Kenyon Green. So, look, I, I think Nick Casario, for the most part, has been good drafting. I think he's been good drafting. I don't want to say really good. The first-round draft that he had in 2022 sticks out like a sore thumb. It does. It does because you're not supposed to miss on your first-round picks. You're, you're supposed. Those are the ones you're supposed to hit on and get quality football players with. And then where you really get you know, exceptional grades is when you do some of the things that he has been able to do that we have given him credit for that, that I have said over and over again about his ability to get a Damian Pierce in the fourth round, to get the guys that he got throughout the draft. Now, Christian Harris, who I was really high on, you know, all of last season, looks like he may have taken a step back and systematically, as you've pointed out, maybe Pierce isn't the right fit for this system. It doesn't mean he can't play, but I think that he's done really well in certain areas, he's also kind of failed a little bit in certain areas, and the jury's still out in certain areas. So it's not just going to be because of the fact that suddenly this trade, you know, goes goes good and goes the Texans' way that suddenly it anoints Nick Casario as completely off the hook for everything else because that's not how it works in life. Yeah, yeah. Seven one three seven eight zero ESPN six seven six one blankers. You can't say Nick didn't think this team would be decent. No one thought that. Uh, that would have been one of the reasons he did do the trade. Maybe he was right. Most people were wrong. Uh, you're going through mental gymnastics to undermine what he did. I'm really not, and I'm not trying to undermine it. I just thought that it was a lot to give up, and I think that mental gymnastics are not 
uh, Mary Lou. The, the the biggest thing that I'm talking about is I think that he valued Will Anderson at a certain level higher than most, and that's why he went after Will Anderson, regardless of what he thought his football team was going to be. He figured that this was the move he had to make because of Will Anderson, but I think that we were all trying to be as realistic as possible in terms of the fact they were going in the right direction, but I don't think that they were going at it to be where they are right now. I don't think a lot of people thought that. Seven one three seven eight zero three seven seven six. Jimmy, grade the uh, grade the mental gymnastics Mary Lou reference. Seven one three seven. I mean, I guess three seven seven six. Joe, what did you uh, what do you grade that the uh, mental gymnastics Mary Lou reference? Um, like a four. See, I think that was one of his best work. I'm giving it an eight. That was that was well done. I, it's past my time a little bit. Oh, I, that's so the one I think I thought it. about. I could have uh, done. Yeah. You could have went Simone Biles to be Simone time Biles relevant. With Simone Biles, yeah. Yeah. But I think he stuck the landing. Mm, yeah. mm. <laughs> I did see like the Packers game this weekend. I think it was the Packers game. And as soon as they showed Jonathan Owens, they oh. called him Mr. Biles. Yes, oh, they do. I used to TV. call I, I do miss him in Houston because I called game. him Jonathan Biles. Yeah. Yes. I think she was at Lambeau recently. Really? They had video of her oh, coming out of the see, tunnel. I saw that. Yeah. Tony think, 22 gives you an 8 for the Mary Lou joke. Thank you. The funny thing about like the, the Stingley, though, and Kenyon Green stuff you guys were talking about is that it almost feels like none of it matters if CJ is good. Like, if CJ gets them to the promised land, will anyone care? It's true. It's like the Trey Lance thing. Yeah, as I mean, much I mean, as we said care, they're going to be care, joined yeah. at the hip. Because of the fact that you could have taken either guy with whatever with the two picks, and and one could have been trade. You could have said you were trading whatever. But at the same time, if Will succeeds and CJ doesn't, there could be questions. If CJ succeeds, nothing else matters. Yeah, like it's like. See, I, I don't. I, I disagree. Why? I disagree. Why is that? Because if Will Andrew, and I don't think this is the case. This is just playing the conversation out and having the conversation. Because you still gave up a lot, even if the Texans are picking in the teens this year. If Jameer, and look, I don't think the Texans take Jameer Gibbs, but he was used for that pick. If Jameer Gibbs is a top five running back and Sam Laporta is a top three tight end and Will Anderson Jr.'s mid, then yeah, we're going to look back at the trade and be like, man, they got that one wrong, even though they got their franchise quarterback. And in fact, because they got their franchise quarterback, you might even look at the trade. But now you're going to have a softer landing because you still have Stroud, but you're going to look back at it and go, man, it would have been really nice to pair C.J. Stroud with a top five running back, a top five tight end, instead of having a mediocre defensive end. I'm not saying he's going to be mediocre. I think he's a really good player. I think he's going to be really good. Mm -hmm. But you're still going to have these conversations, even if C.J. Stroud is a really good quarterback. I think that it depends on how really good he is. If he ends up being top five, then I think that there are going to be a ton of people that completely forget about everything else that yeah, happened. I don't know. Like, I think that if he's really good, sure, mm, then you then I think you play revisionist history look, a little look, bit more. Look at the last five minutes, though. Like, C.J. Stroud's already been really good. Looks like it was the home run quarterback pick of the draft, and immediately King of Twitch goes to Kenyon Green and Derek Stingley. Like, acting like that would forever be forgiven if Will Anderson Jr. is mediocre and players that you could have gotten that those picks turn out to be great – I think it's a little bit short sighted. Like you don't, you don't, but you think that like in San Francisco right now, that like that yes. every single time the 49ers do yes. something great, they bring up Trey Lance. Yes, though? absolutely. And I'm not not every time. Like I, when you're I, talking about winning games and going deep into the playoffs, great, yay. But does the conversation come up of what could have been instead of Trey Lance? Yes, hundred percent. But, okay, but what's a minority though? No way. Okay, just to, for the sake of the conversation though, what if? He tur- C.J. Stroud the- turns out to get multiple Super Bowls and becomes Mahomes. Then I think pe- because I mean now we're talking about okay. Like, all right, let's let's not go Mahomes. Let's talk about he gets you a Super Bowl and he gets into that top yeah, five. Range. I still think that we look back at it. I, I still think, think we look back would, at but it, but I don't think many would. We do it with the Astros. 
We do it with the Astros. What could have happened with the Mark Appel pick? What could have happened with the Brady Aiken pick? What could have happened if you did this trade, that trade? And the Astros have won two World Series titles in seven years. I don't think many people do that. I think the conversation's there, but it's not an important. No. Like, it's not like it's not a conversation that like people like gets like get riled up. It's about. a side point. It's a peripheral. Yeah. Like thought. so. Like it'll always like yes. It'll always be there. Yes, especially it has Kenny to be. It's Grant. The history of the franchise. But mm-hmm. like it's if CJ Stroud elevates this franchise to where he potentially could. All, Nick Casario gets way more of a pass. Like, John Lynch just got an extension, right? Yeah, How those many, are two separate conversations in yeah. my mind. Because the approval rating goes... Like, the approval rating for Nick Casario right now is really, really high compared to where it was at the beginning of the season. So those are two separate conversations entirely. Yeah, it's just... I, it's, I wonder how many people will look back at that stuff. I think a lot of people will. Like, in a lot of those people, I think, are just some of the more... The, the negative Nancy side... I, I really sports. do think it depends on how good CJ gets. If he's top ten, sure, I think I think it's legit to say, well, what he could have maybe even been higher, and if you had more around him, and if they didn't do what they did, or if they whatever happened with the trades, I think if he does get to that level where he's not maybe not Mahomes, but he gets you a Super Bowl and he gets in that top five conversation, I think a lot of people are going to forget a lot of that. Yeah, I don't think it ever goes away. Like if you follow the team, it's always going to be a topic. Like it's always something that existed. It it, it happened. It's oh, history. Yeah, I don't think they're going to ignore it, but I think the it gets it gets pushed down the the priority list yeah, quite a bit. The level of importance goes way down depending on Stroud. Seven one three seven eight zero. The level of greatness for Stroud. Seven one three seven eight zero three seven seven six. Out to the HRMP listener line. Jimmy, you're in the high. What's up, Jimmy? Hey, how's it going today, guys? Good. Good. I think the big problem Casario people have is I think the Sauce Gardner um, taking Stingley over him is just so overthinking everything, and he's always got to be the outthink you guy. He's the guy this week in the fantasy football that's starting um, Sam Darnold over Justin Herbert to prove how smart he is. <laughs> and that's great in the later rounds. That's yeah. what you want. In the first round, take the sure dang thing. Appreciate the call, Jimmy. Now, there was, I mean, I, I get it, and I, I see your viewpoint, and I, I mostly agree. There were a lot of people that thought Stingley was the sure thing. Now, versus the injuries, like Sauce didn't get hurt, Stingley did. But when you flip it, well, Stingley was doing this in the SEC at LSU, and Sauce was doing it in the silly old American Conference in Cincinnati. So for all the people that said the sure thing was Sauce, he's healthy, he can play, the other half of the room was saying that that Stingley's the sure thing because he did it against much better competition and did it in the best conference in all of college football. I think it is the most revisionist history thing that this city does because there are so many people that – Watched him play yeah. one game, probably, and that was a playoff game. And probably highlights. People do not watch the University of Cincinnati. No. Like, and then they act like now he was this slam dunk pick and mm. that they knew all along. 90% of those people, Joe, I think you're lying. We were, we, this was a Sauce Gardner show. Yeah. And yeah. like, I was taking heat because I was an American Conference homer for saying that Sauce Gardner <laughs> should have been funny. the pick. So, like, I remember this conversation really, really, really well because I was on the Sauce side and I took a lot of grief for taking the yep. Sauce side because he was a Cincinnati corner that hasn't played real competition. Stingley has top conference in the, in the, uh, in all of the country. So, I, I do agree with Jimmy's point, though, that Nick Casario does a lot of like outside the box. I'm the smartest guy in the room thinking. So, I agree with his general point. But I think it was pretty split with Sauce and Stingley and at the I was, time of the draft. I was on the Sauce side of it, Joe, but I was on the Sauce side of it for the health concerns. I was like, if you're going to compare two guys and they're A and yeah. B on the list, 
if A doesn't have health concerns and B does, then I'm going A all day, every day, because especially as a corner, when you need your feet and that's hyper important, I'd have concerns. 6276 says that Jordan Davis and Sauce Gardner should be Texans. That would have been Sauce and Davis over Stingley and Kenyon Green, and that sounds sexy right now. Mm-hmm. I hate you for bringing that up on it's a Friday so, late so in the week. Really that sounds good. really sexy right now. Uh, Lamont, do y'all still think Casario's on the headsets? I don't no. think so. I don't at all. I don't think so. Not I with think he was on the headsets because he realized that David Cully was totally and fully incompetent. incompetent. Yeah. And yeah. he was the he was the like the analytical guy. Go for it. Don't go for it. I think that you're right. Lovey, right. Lovey, Lovey, shut it down because Lovey, as a as a NFL veteran coach, was like, we ain't having that. And there's no way that D'Amico's going to go take a step back and say and tolerate it. He probably should have been on there with Lovey, too. There's 13 rookie receivers that were drafted in the first three rounds this year. Tank Dell was one of them in the third round. Uh, We talk a lot about C.J. Stroud versus these other rookie quarterbacks. What about Tank Dell versus these other rookie receivers? How does he stack up amongst the other first three-round rookies that were taken in the draft? So that eliminates uh, Puka because he was drafted in the sixth. You have like Jackson Smith and Jigba, who has one more catch than he does. Zay Flowers in the mix. Jordan Addison's in the mix. Rasheed Rice has... Few more catches than Tank does, and then you have some like absolute busts. Quentin Johnson has looked terrible. Yep. He has less than ten catches. Cedric Tillman looks terrible. He's caught one pass all season, maybe because his quarterback stinks. Where do you think Tank Dell stacks up with this rookie wide receiver class? Uh, at the top. I mean, if he's not the top, then he's in the top two. Yeah, because he's, he's gotten an opportunity, which matters. He's made the most of his opportunities when he's got them, which matters. He stayed healthy for the most part, which also factors in. But when you just look at the fact that we can't define a ceiling for him yet, yeah. and we know how good he already looks, I-, I think that he's at the top. I can't give him ahead of Zay. Zay has 20 more catches, more yards. Jordan Addison has six touchdown catches, which is kind of mind-blowing. I can't believe he has that many he's, touchdown catches. He's hard. I, I was surprised to see that. He feels he's like number two. one. He's got more. I mean, he's he doesn't have a, he's 10 fewer catches than Zay, and he has less yards than Zay, but six touchdowns is hard to ignore. I just feel like we overthought him. He was he won the Bernard Bernardrick Award I wanted, or whatever. I, I, I asked as a junior. When we used to do our yeah. um, what you call it. Oh, we what? were doing like the three after. Yeah, we did yeah, the three afters. Uh-huh. I, I, I liked I liked him. But Who's that? Addison. Yeah, I was a Zay guy, and I, I you, I've always been a Zay. I, guy. I like being a Zay guy, but it's hard to ignore the six touchdowns. Rasheed Rice has been pretty good as a rookie. Now he's in the Chiefs offense. Uh, Twenty six catches, three hundred and five yards. Josh Downs has been underrated good. 33 he's, catches, 400 yards. He's sneaky good. He's sneaky he good. He was available in like 95% of fantasy leagues this weekend. Crazy. I'd probably go tank top five of these rookies. Hard for me to put them in the top three. Like, I think really? Zay's got them. I think Addison's got them. I think, I think, I think Rasheed Rice might have them by a hair, and Josh Downs has them. I think he's in front of Downs, and then I think the Rice is Downs really has a toss-up. 14 more catches, 80 more yards, same amount of touchdowns. I think it's Zay tank Addison. Tank my fifth. I think it's Zay Addison and Tank. I'll go. I'll put I'll put Tank ahead of Rasheed, but I'm going to go Addison, Zay, Downs, Tank. I'm good. I Which think is I, good. I mean, he was the one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. He was the ninth receiver drafted. I mean, it's great. Top four. It's awesome. Yeah, it's really good. Let's sneak Gary in here real quick. Seven one three seven eight zero three seven seven six. Gary, you're in the high with the bees. What's up? Hey, what's up, guys? So I want to vehemently disagree with this revisionist <laughs> history about uh, <laughs> about Stingley. Just so we're clear, like I'm not a draft expert, this is Lance Durline. Yeah. But I do read a bunch of mock drafts. Stingley was not rated over Sauce. Like Sauce was the consensus best cornerback in this draft, and it was because of injury history. If y'all like 
Stingley didn't even work out at the combine because he was still hurt. Right. Like, the injuries are the concern, so it is not revisionist history that people want to talk Gardner. Like, he didn't go number yeah. four because the Jets were just, like, no, thinking Gary, about something. Like, Gary, you're, you're, you're right. You're right, because I, I remember all of that as well. I'm going more from, like, what we heard in our seats on the text line and calls and stuff like that. From a professional standpoint in, like, mockers and stuff like that, you're 100% right. It was more about the perception in this city, which is a very heavy LSU city. So I think we're... Saying kind of two different things, but kind of agree, Gary. Be clear, because you know I know. Gary, we know you love you some Nick. (laughs) Yeah, you're a big Nick guy. You broke up there a little bit, Gary. Thanks for calling. Have a great weekend. Uh, All right, send us your worst. Send us all the mean things you have to say today. We end our shows every Friday. Our Car Wreck of the Day presented by CarWreckTexas.com. All the mean things you said to us. It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. Before we go to the break, tell you about the good people at Allstate Windows and Siding. I am a big fan of Allstate Windows and Siding because they have been in Houston for over four generations, over four decades. Mary and her family, they're phenomenal people. They take care of Houstonians every single day. But you should be taking care of your biggest investment. It's your house. When you take care of your house, you're doing things to make sure that it's strong, that it's protected, that it has a long lifespan, and that it continually does the things it needs to do to put a roof over your head and make sure you keep energy in no matter the season. That's what they do with the sidings and the window windows that they have at Allstate Siding and Windows. I had them come out recently. They're about to start putting in windows in my house, and the reasons were very, very simple because they have the greatest deals going, like 12 months, no interest. They have you know nine months, same as cash, $150 off on Windows minimum 10. But the fact of the matter is more than that. They know what they're doing, so they're going to tell you, hey, look, no more remodeling, painting, staining, and repairing your home when you put siding on it. The same way when you have the right windows and the windows that they offer that are Texas tough, they're going to be able to sustain the, the, the hurricane season. They're going to be able to keep the air conditioning in in the summer, and they're going to be able to keep the heat in when it gets cold in the winter, and it's going to keep your electric bills and your and all your energy bills down while it's going to keep you comfortable no matter what season it is. I encourage you to just check them out. See what they can do for you. They're great about coming out and checking out what you're thinking about doing and telling you what would work for you, and then make the decision for yourself. I made it. It was easy because I think they're the best in the business. Call them today, 832-204-1936, 832-204-1936, or check out the web st- website, Allstate Siding and the letter and, I mean the word and, Allstate Siding and Windows.com. Wow. I was uh, I was ready to go. I'm fired up. DJ Joey G is not giving you the soft mix. <laughs> He's playing on Branham. I signed for all the mean things all of you have said to us all week long. We appreciate all the mean things that you say to us. All week long, some, some more than others. And it's never too late to get mean text in. You can send them 713-780-3776. You can tweet them at Pac-Man Joel. You can tweet them at Joe George Radio. Uh, don't tweet them at me. Uh, you can also say them on the Twitch, twitch.tv slash ESPN 97.5, which, I mean, that's just a continuous stream of mean on the Twitch line. Am I right? Am I right? Okay. Uh, Dr. Swagalicious, who I think Josh Beard's mother. What a name. <laughs> or father. Josh uh, Beard's mother. Yeah, because at 3.01 today, he said on the Twitch, killer bye-byes, adios. He was there for uh, Connor and Beard. And as soon as we entered the room, Dr. Swagalicious, which doesn't sound like anybody I want to hang out with. Nope. He said, killer bye-byes, adios. 
What do we, th- what do we think of the burn? Grade the burn because I appreciate it's a good okay. burn, even if I'm the you know the subject. Anybody of touting the burn? themselves and literally touting themselves yeah. as Doctor Swagalicious probably should look in the mirror and evaluate before evaluating other shows. The burn's better than the name. Doctor Swagalicious on a scale of one to ten is a is a one as yep. a name. You're the, being generous. The burn, I mean, a scale of one to ten. Right. It's the minimum amount. Um, killer bye byes. That's a decent burn. I'm going to give that burn a. Five. Five I was going to go four. Or do you rate the burn? Three. Three? You're not pleased with the burn. Okay. Uh, Beat that home. I thought yeah, the burn was better. okay. Killer bye-byes, killer bees. I get it. I thought the burn was pretty good. The name's awful, though, Dr. Swagalicious. Uh, Pena should be upset. LOL. He sucks. He had one good month of hitting in two years, and everyone thinks he's a he's bad. Trade Pena in the offseason. That guy doesn't feel too good about Jeremy Pena. Ouch. I'll, like, I'm that, could be, that could end up being bad take Boulevard. I'm going to defend Pena because maybe it's the first name brethren. I don't know. I feel like Pena gets a bad rap in Houston right now. Yes, I know his playoffs weren't very good. Yes, I know he was a postseason hero a year ago. There was a good hitter in the second half of the year. He's a really good defensive shortstop. I feel like Pena's getting way too much grief than he deserves. You know what? He's the victim of his early his immediate success. Probably. If he doesn't hit the cover off the, the ball and win the American League Championship Series MVP and the World Series MVP... People would be a lot more lenient and accepting of Jeremy Pena. But when you do that and set the bar that high, that's what the expectations are. And we said at the start of the year that was unfair. But now it's even worse because he didn't have the same kind of playoff. Honey Glaze Branham. Uh, Branham. Uh, again, you're an idiot in a clown for your take on the Astros manager. I'd have to say yes. Okay. Thank you for naming yourself after me. I appreciate that. Imitations, the sincerest form of flattery. Um, I don't know who sent this one. The intro to this show has got to change and change quick. The Hey, How We Doing is a cute gimmick for midday, but not the 1A show on the station. Really need better. Oh, whoa, whoa. Time out, though. They called us the 1A show on yeah. the station. They did. That's why I thought that was nice. Uh, it's complimentary. I would disagree. We're definitely we're definitely 1B at definitely. best. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I yep. would even I would even go as far to say 2. Uh, yeah, we're 2. But I'll take 1B. 1A on, the sh- 1A on the show means that you've lost uh, all credibility and that you don't get any say on what the intro to the show is going to be. If you were real with us and you said 1B or 1 Killer B or 2A, then maybe you would have a stance and maybe you'd have some credibility. But the moment you said that we're 1A, you lost all credibility, whoever you are. Uh, Ocho changed the show's opening music. So not the intro, but the opening music. Don't Sweat the Technique is probably this guy's worst track. We can do that. I'm not. Opposed. I don't. I don't really have a. I'm not a creative uh, mind. I, yeah, I'm open to I'm not, suggestions uh, on the tunes, but it's coming from a legit li- loyal listener to an Ocho, so we'll take it under consideration. We've changed it before, but we changed it before due to other circumstances. Can I read one real quick? Yeah. Uh, I was listening to Houston Sports Radio this afternoon. They were praising Dusty Baker for being a winner everywhere he went. My memory of Dusty Baker in Chicago is how he ruined the career of Mark Pryor and Kerry Wood. I told my dad I would read that for him. Your dad was the mean text? <laughs> yeah. My dad posted that on Facebook. To who? To all of his Facebook followers. Oh, so it wasn't like directed to anybody? No, he just posted it on Facebook. That's where he gets his hot takes out? Yeah. He listens to us and then he puts hot takes Oh, on so we we were the one who, yes. we were the genesis of we this were, hot take. We were praising Dusty Baker and then oh. he got upset about it. Do you agree with your dad? <laughs> Why doesn't he text the show? He, yeah, Uncle driving. Barney does. Yeah, Uncle Barney texts all the time. He's driving. Uncle Barney tells me I'm an idiot all the time. Do you agree with your dad, or do you agree with us? I mean, he's got a I, cub bias. I still love Dusty. He still ruined. The, uh, 
he ruined Pryor and Wood, but he gave me a lot of great memories here. So take it up with your dad then. I'm tell Team Dusty. Tell Papa Jorge though to stop posting it on Facebook and just come straight to us. Yeah, I yeah, will. I would have. He, he'd be a good character on the show, right? He, he, could, Uncle be, Barney. he could be a legit member of the show. Seven three zero eight. I mock your value system. You often appear foolish in the eyes of others. <laughs> that was deep. What's going on right now? Why we got Spencer talking? I meant to play the music. Spencer's doing all that stuff. Need to be called the Killer S because that's a more likely grade. It's not very nice. Uh, The Killer Bees bring it on like thunder. So ACDC Thunderstruck should be the opening song. That's not not a mean text either. Not like that's been used before. Uh, Poncho, the Killer Bees opening is right next to umpire Joe West display in the Hall of Fame. Uh, A lot of Levis jokes this week. None of them were any good. QB1. And then Blankers... You just responded to my text by saying I'm a prisoner of the moment with that one doesn't make any sense. Whatever. Oh, that was the Hunter. I mean, the the Bregman and JP France. Yeah, thing. y'all got to do better next week, listeners. This mean text weren't all that mean. We got to bring it stronger next week. It's going to do it for us. Thanks to Joe George for doing all the hard work. He's blank on Brandon. We'll talk to you Monday, Houston. Have a great weekend. Wagering Ward with five stars next. And then the World Series. Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5. See you Monday.